0: Welcome back to another episode of Ask Andrew, the podcast where we dive deeply into life's questions and conundrums. I'm your host, Andrew Ledette, husband, coach, idea lover, sax player, and professional experimenter. Today we've got something special brewing in the lab of curiosity. Eureka! It is one of my favorite words. Today we're talking about the magic ingredient that Einstein believed could unlock success, imagination. And to spice things up, we're throwing in a German twist with a term that might be new to many of us, Gedanken experiment, or thought experiment. In my room growing up, I had a poster of Einstein with one of his famous quotes. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited, imagination encircles the world. In addition to enviable hair, I loved Einstein promoting the value of imagination. While researching for this week's podcast, I found a fantastic exploration unpacking that quote and his contributions to science and the world. Inspired by Einstein, we will explore how Gedanken experiments in science can light the Bunsen burner of our imagination for all sorts of daily tasks, to-dos, challenges, encounters. And so with that, like each week, let's pause to explore invite you if you have other things open if you can minimize those step away for a second today we're talking a lot about science science can mean different things to different people uh, but the main phrase that was the inspiration for this is this notion of thought experiments and so often whether talking about science or other general living the first step for the scientific process that we'll talk about in a minute is observation For me, I find meditation, breathing, centering, whatever you want to call it, super helpful to observe. And so let's do that. Inhale and exhale. Perhaps if that's your first breath of the day that you're observing, great. Let's take another one. Inhale and exhale. And with our next inhale, let's observe what it feels like for the breath to enter either your nose or your mouth. What is the temperature of that air? Is it slow? Is it fast? Is it smooth? Is it choppy? What does it feel like? And as we exhale either through our nose or our mouth, what does that air feel like? Temperature, speed. With our next inhale, maybe observe if there are any thoughts that you have. Wherever you've been so far today, is that on your mind? Observe that thought. And as you exhale, let that thought go. With our next inhale, maybe pay attention to what do our feet feel like? What does your baby toe on your right foot or left foot feel like? These invitations to observe can often help us focus on things we're not mindful of. And so today we'll explore more. But before we do that, let's take two more nice observational breaths. Inhale. And exhale. Inhale. Pause and hold that breath. Feel that fullness. And exhale. Feel that release. If closing your eyes or sitting or laying down as part of your practice invite you to wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers, open your eyes if they were closed, and come on back. So now let's grab our safety goggles, a good pencil, and a clipboard to journey back to our early science classes. Hopefully not a triggering thought for you. I remember sitting on a stool in a science lab room with cold black stone counters, sinks, those gas nozzle things next to the sink in Bunsen burners with that rubber tube. It was in that classroom that I learned first about the scientific method. And as a refresher, the scientific method is a systematic and logical approach used by scientists to investigate and understand the natural world. Here's a quick refresher on the seven steps, and no, fear not, there will not be a pop quiz. Observation, question, hypothesis, experimentation, data analysis, conclusion, and the final step, publication and peer review. But as I was researching this, I thought, why should this method only be used by scientists? You and I use it every day, but maybe we don't think of it or think of ourselves as scientists. So it's fun to shift my self to something new. Can I play the part of a scientist? Playing with that alternative perspective is a form of thought experiment. So very much what Einstein was talking about. So let's play with this concept a little bit today and explore how this scientific method could be used for different scenarios. I'm going to walk through those seven steps. I've condensed them down to six, but we're going to walk through them one by one. And I have some different situations to help apply this concept to our day to day. And so that first step, observe, I love that that's the first step. There are many times when I haven't taken the time to observe before starting on a project, especially when there's some rapidly approaching deadline, as there always is. One of my many reasons and benefits behind pausing to breathe in this podcast and throughout the day, when I remember, is to observe. These observations can be about how we feel or zooming out to observe what is going on. What's the issue or motivation for trying to modify or change something? The observations can be qualitative or quantitative. Here are a couple of examples we're going to play with. So I'll stick first with qualitative. And a reminder, qualitative are descriptions or feelings. So as an example, a team member appears to be unengaged and less motivated in work. Another qualitative example, a child is struggling to stay focused during homework time. If we switch to quantitative, those are measurable. Here are two examples of that. The website traffic has decreased by 15% since the launch of a new marketing campaign. Or the monthly grocery expenses have increased by 10% over the last six months. Thank you, inflation. Dan Heath wrote a fantastic book called Upstream that I'll feature in the future, but his book explores how to modify your thought patterns when seeing downstream issues. We're going to touch on it lightly today, but I'll, I'll explore it more in the future. So let's take a quick pause to check on any things that you've observed recently. Is it a feeling or something measurable? Take a moment to write it down in your lab notes on your clipboard that you brought for today. Are there additional observations connected to this primary thought? Add those two. So let's move to the second step, question. What questions arise after reading your observations? Remember our question words, who, what, when, where, why, how? Let's stick with the first example for an unengaged team member. Two questions pop into my mind when I think about that scenario. How long have they been less engaged? Why are they unengaged? Another question could be, are other people on the team displaying similar patterns? Similar questions may apply for a quantitative or measurable observation. So if we think about that website traffic one, why did the website traffic decrease? Is it a signal for a larger pattern? Was there something different about this campaign that led to the decrease? For people that know me, they know how much I love questioning things and I can come up with a ton of questions. So this is a fun area for me. Hopefully it's a fun one for you to just Think about what questions come up based on your observation. And then with that list of questions and observations, we then move to the third step, hypothesis. How might you answer the questions from step two? This is informed by your lived experience and knowledge, despite Einstein saying knowledge is limited. Jot down some of your potential explanations for the observation. Here are a few potentials for the shared scenarios. So my hypothesis for my team member being less engaged is I canceled the one-on-one last week and that upset them. Another might be my hypothesis is my team member is concerned about their future after recent layoffs. For the website traffic example, my hypothesis is trying a new channel mix for the marketing campaign caused the decreased performance. An important note here for the hypotheses, observe any patterns in your hypotheses. Do you blame others for what happened or do you take ownership? That can be helpful, separate thing to work on, but nevertheless, a helpful observation within the observation. Then we move on to experiment. We get to test our hypotheses. So if we've written them down, maybe there are some that we like more than others. Maybe there's a favorite that we want to test and explore more. And that's what we get to do in this step. So the scientific goal is to be systematic, minimize variables, and collect data. As a scientist, how can you test your hypothesis? How can you collect data about that thing? An important step is to establish how much data is sufficient to make a conclusion. For interpersonal issues, unfortunately for the conflict averse like myself, a great way is via discussion with the person. In our example, I could ask others about the person being less engaged. That's one data source. I could look at metrics to see their activity over time. I could also talk directly with them to learn more about what's going on. Numerous ways to approach that conversation. If you want to learn more about this topic, drop me a note. Happy to play with this one a little bit more on how to prepare for conversations like that. For the traffic example, we have the benefit of more data sources to review and potentially other campaigns to compare against. Perhaps the hypothesis was switching marketing channels would lead to more efficient spend per lead. That data showing a decrease in traffic could be fine if the goal of the campaign was to establish a more targeted effort and campaign with our marketing dollars. After we have run our experiment, we move on to analyzing the data, something that I love doing. And so we think, what does that data show? Does it support or refute our hypothesis? Determining how much data is needed is an important step to avoid testing until you are right. That's why I put that step in the previous one. For the less engaged example, there's data of a missed one-on-one, maybe some lower activity, more frequent days off, and feedback from a conversation with the person that they are struggling with some issues outside of work. Those aren't data points that can be plotted on a line chart. So that's where interpersonal issues are a little looser fit, but still helpful to have this framework on how do we approach different situations. If your observation is more measurable, you can chart the data and look for patterns. If this is a growth area for you, invite someone you know who you think is skilled in this area. Data lovers tend to love new data. So you can learn something new and build a relationship with someone. Quick aside for my fellow math lovers, Uh, I'm linking a site in the description of today's podcast that has a calculator to figure out how big of a sample size you need when running surveys. Kind of fun, fun thing to play with. All right. So our last steps, we've mushed them into one, conclusion and publish. The final two steps, based on the analysis of the experimental data, we now draw conclusions about the hypothesis to the original question. The conclusion may support the hypothesis, partially support it, or refute it entirely. If our hypothesis was not correct, we can restart at the top with a new hypothesis. Or perhaps we have new questions to explore after our research. We may not publish our findings in a scientific journal, but we can document and share what we learned with others, a manager, peers, or a newsletter on LinkedIn. So keynotes and next steps for today. Don't get attached to your hypothesis. It's better for you to be unattached to being right in pursuit of finding what's true. Second note, get a clipboard. It's going to bring joy to your days. Third, invite others to share their observations and hypotheses with you. What I've laid out today doesn't have to be a solo activity. Start a journal for your Gedanken experiments. And maybe like me, practice saying that more. It's a lot of syllables, but tons of fun. And some calls to action from here. Dissect one thing that has been on your mind. Put it under the microscope of the scientific method. What did you observe what questions does this raise? What hypotheses do you have to explain the observation? Use the template I put in the description for today's podcast to map your first thought experiment. That's it for today. Thank you for joining me in the lab. I hope this sparked some ideas for you. Until next time, keep observing and take care.